Oi, oi, and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by Carol Langley Florist with myself, Stephen Nussbaum. And as always, I'm joined by my good friend, myself, Dan Chum, the bearded legende, the one and only, the daddy-o. It's Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is episode number 343. And just want to say, as always, thank you to everyone who tuned into last week's show. This week, we've got a brilliant game that we're going to review with you, as you're probably aware. We beat Bolton yesterday. We've got the week that was, a bit of news to catch you up on. Uh, and we've also got Super Richie Wellens joining us later on in the show. We're going to be giving him a call and getting his thoughts on everything about this season, yesterday, January transfers, you name it, we are going to be covering it. So let's, without further ado, let's just crack on and get into this episode. We will do. So shout out to our sponsors, who are Carol Angley Florists, who are based in Chingford, and have been serving the borough of Waltham Forest and the surrounding area for over the last 70 years. They've got a fantastic team of florists, can do anything for you from bespoke wedding events, family funeral tributes, birthdays, anniversaries. And like we've said, Valentine's Day is well on the way now, I think three or four weeks away. So Not make even. sure you are yeah. covered if you aren't already. And hopefully, as you know by now, if you listen weekly, they offer 15% off to all O's fans and staff which could bring you a huge saving. So get cracking with them. You can get in touch by calling the shop on 0208 529 4130 or you can find them on their website at www.carolangley.co.uk or go and find them on social media. You can find them on all the major platforms. They're on Instagram at carolangleyflorists. You can find them on Twitter at carolangley4 or you can find them on Facebook at Carol Langley Florist. Indeedy. So let's move on then. We're going to speak to Richie later in the show, as I mentioned earlier. We've got loads of questions from fans as well as our own. But we're going to move on to our friends at the Supporters Club now. We've got some travel arrangements to tell you about. So on Saturday, the 27th of January, uh, that's this coming Saturday as we record today, we're off to Reading for a three o'clock kickoff. Coaches are going to leave the Supporters Club at half past 10. Adults are 28 quid, concessions are 25, and children under 16 are just 14 pounds. On Tuesday, the 6th of February, we're trekking up to Port Vale for our rearranged game. That's a 7.45 kickoff. Coaches are departing at 2 p.m. and will cost adults 37 quid, concessions 34, and kids under 16, 19 pounds. And then finally, on Saturday, the 10th of February, we're off to Barnsley. Uh, for a three o'clock kickoff, coaches are departing at half past eight in the morning. That's a thirty-seven pound return fare for your adults, thirty-four for concessions, and nineteen quid for under sixteens. And remember, obviously, those prices don't include your matchday ticket. You need to get those separately. But to book on those trips or any of the other trips that the Supporters Club are running, you can go into the uh, Supporters Club on a match day, or you can call the travel line, which is zero seven five zero seven five three nine. Five seven nine. Beautifully done, Mr. Levy. All right, let's move on to the week that was down at the mighty LOFC. Starting on Happy Monday, 15th of January. Disappointing day, nothing to report. Very quiet day. We'll move on. Indeed. To Huey Tuesday, the 16th of January, was a far busier day. We start the day off by wishing uh, Club Director Matt Porter a very happy birthday. Yeah, happy 21st, Matt. Hope you had a good <laughs> one. So, also on that Tuesday, it was a busy day. Sol Brin and Dan Adji were named in the League One Team of the Week following their performance against Plymouth, along with Super Richie Wellens, who was named as Manager of the Week. So, no surprises there. Smashed Pompey. Great penalty saving a clean sheet for Solbrin. Dan Adji scored a great header and caused problems all game. And Richie Wellens, you know, going away to the league leaders winning 3 0. 
well deserved. Yeah, absolutely. The club announced our League One game against Port Vale has been rearranged, as we mentioned earlier. That's Tuesday, the 6th of February now, kicks off at 7.45. Yeah, there's quite a few Saturday, Tuesdays in February. It's going to be a very... Seven games, I think. Very busy month for the O's with all these recent postponements. And also on Tuesday at 6pm, the club announced our first signing of the January transfer window with the expected news that we mentioned in last week's podcast that central defender Brandon Cooper had signed for the O's for an undisclosed fee from Swansea City and joins us on a two-and-a-half-year deal. Bearded Lejande, your views on the signing in of Mr Cooper? Yeah, not a surprise that he's signed for us. I think he's got the potential if we can sort his discipline out. Obviously, he ended on a red card, mm. uh, which saw him banned for three games, but he made the final match day squad earlier this month before his loan expired. You know, few fans I saw going a bit mental about the undisclosed fee. My understanding is that we haven't paid money for him. And remembering what Matt Porter said, however many episodes ago it was on this very podcast, that just because it says undisclosed fee, it doesn't always mean that money changes hands. There are obviously aspects of his signing that mean that, I don't know, it could be a performance related. If he plays a certain amount of games or if we get a promotion or a sell-on fee, things of that nature that can be built in, which is why it's an undisclosed fee, because at the moment there's nothing to pay, but there might be something down the, further down the line. But look, he was solid when he played. I really liked him. Um, if we can just sort his his temperament out a little bit, I think we've got quite the player there. 23 years old, he's had five, five loan signings. So like he said in his um, interview with the club when he came, his welcome back interview, if you like, he's like, you know, he's found a home, which is really important, um, which will help him settle. Okay, good stuff. Yeah, I think covered it last week, really, for the most part. Saw some really good performances from him, and then saw some not-so-good hmm. performances from him. So, a bit split on that, but look, like you said, 23 years old, good age. The club have obviously seen something in him, as well as Richie, that said, look, we want to sign him. So, you've got to back their decision on that one. Two-and-a-half-year deal, must be a decent deal in place to get him. Yeah. So, hopefully, he has a long and prosperous career, Um at the club you mean instead of like an 18 month yeah I mean obviously two and a half sounds long doesn't it well I think we're getting away now as we have divisions from the two year or year and a half deals now to the two and a half where to get a better quality of player you need to offer him a better quality of contract example George Moncur when he joined us on a three year deal obviously that was what he was getting for and obviously you have to make a bigger commitment to a better quality of player to bring them into the building so yeah no surprises but look Omar Beckles isn't the spring chicken right he's 30 Plus, I think. So, at some point, Brandon Cooper is going to be looking to, to get his place or Dan Happy's place. And I think we've got a question on Dan Happy later for Richie about his contract. So, look, good competition. We've got four good centre-backs at the club. Only mm-hmm. two can take places mm-hmm. at the moment. Mm-hmm. Gives you good squad depth. So, yeah, very happy with it. Had uh, a fair bit of feedback on this one. Yeah, Dovey Bear uh, said, let's hope he can stay on the pitch. That's <laughs> a good positive start. Well done, Dovey. Yeah, Mark Roz, 636-89509. said, look, great early on. Then towed off and really poor discipline. He's young, strong and definitely a player there. I'm sure the coaching staff know what a good, tough leader he could be in the future. Yeah, Phil VZ1 said, this is a great signing. Adds real strength and depth to the squad. With our recent form of runner clean sheets, it's going to be tough for him to get into the starting lineup in the short term. Great that someone of his quality is at the club permanently. It's a really good point, isn't it? That he has now got to sit and wait his turn yeah. for an injury or a, a, a dip in form from either Dan or from 
from Omar. So that's a really interesting point, and he's got to be patient now because he isn't just walking back in and being the, the first choice. Absolutely. James O'Hagan said there is potential there. If he stops being an idiot and getting needless red cards, and he could add to the squad. Discipline, though, is a must for him. I'll hold off further judgment on this until I see if it's early loan spell Cooper or late loan spell Cooper that actually turns up. Very, very well put, James. Casey Adams, LOFC, finishes this off and says, personally thought he was class. Obviously, got a silly sending off. Have a feeling he's been signed as a replacement for Happy, though. Yeah, that wasn't the only tweet that kind of alluded to him signing as a replacement uh, for Happy. So, yeah, interesting views there. We'll obviously see what happens with Brandon and Dan uh, in the future. So, let's skip on nothing else to report on Tuesday the 16th. And on Wednesday... The 17th of January, nothing happened at the club apart from a training session at Brisbane Road that the club put a few pictures up on social media. A few eagle eye people were looking out for little uh, clues of maybe mm. potential signings. Nothing in that at all. They were just training pictures. Covert, very good. <laughs> Thursday the 18th of January then, as we move on, the club revealed a precautionary pitch inspection will be taking place at Brisbane Road in the afternoon of Friday the 19th of January. That's ahead of Bolton Wanderers uh, game due to the distance that our visitors would need to travel. Although I think they would have probably set off by lunchtime for that. So doing an afternoon trip uh, pitch inspection probably doesn't help them too much. <laughs> However, Absolutely. I mean, it was so cold. And you, even at this point, games were starting to fall foul of the weather around yeah. Thursday and Friday. I guess better to be on it than not on it. Yeah, and I, I was on a Bolton podcast on Thursday night saying, oh no, we, like, we've got smog in London, it, it'll be fine. <laughs> I looked at my phone, it was like minus three. I was like, oh, <laughs> I've done a Michael Fish from 1987 there. Brilliant. With the hurricanes, <laughs> and got it completely wrong. But yeah, no, it, it is right, it was, it was really cold. It was very cold. On the aforementioned Friday, the 19th of January, the club announced that the playing surface at Brisbane Road had passed an initial pitch inspection from an EFL official in the afternoon and that the frost covers would remain on the pitch overnight and basically meant the game was more than likely to be going ahead. Yeah, the club also announced that it had filed its financial statements for the year that ended the 30th of June 2023, and that was done at Company's House. And we're just going to mention a couple of the high-level stats because there's some really impressive performances, um, Not mar- notwithstanding that we made the considerable loss, but there's some interesting headline stats there. Uh, certainly were. Like Paul said, we're not going to mention every headline stat, but the ones that caught our eye were average attendances of 7,800, which was 15% up year on year. I feel like I'm in a trading meeting uh, at work. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> also, replica shirt sales uh, were over 4.1k units sold in the year. That's very good. That's amazing. be interesting to know what the year on year was on that. That's the question I'd be asking if I was in a trading meeting. Yeah, but they're also going to stifle themselves this year because they've sold out of home shirts so early and none are being reordered according to the guy in the shop that I spoke to. Very, so next very year that's, that's going to be, that's not going to be as good as what it needs to be although the March Pulse shirts I believe have gone down a bit of a storm but not yeah, not to withstand, notwithstanding the, the stats gone. Yeah, um, I think that, I can't remember what the other one we said we were going to mention was. Um, oh, the largest annual revenue in latent Orient history. Crazy, isn't it? Unbelievable. I mean, there's a lot of money floating around, even at this level of football. So to see that, I guess it only... We're going in the right direction. Absolutely going in the right direction. You can find uh, all the information on the club's tweet uh, from Friday. There's a big document that people can read if they want to go and drill right down into the data. But those were the main headlines that we thought would be interesting.
In more news that day, it was noted that young O Emmanuel Harvest had joined Enfield Town on an initial 28-day loan deal, and we wish Emmanuel every success on that loan. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's move on to Saturday, the 20th of January. And in the morning, the under-18s were due to be in action against Ginningham, but the match got postponed due to a frozen pitch. I guess no surprise with youth games being called off no. in front and centre yesterday. Absolutely right. So the main event of the day was Bolton Wanderers at home, and as always, on the Thursday night, we start a poll uh, on Twitter to find out how you think the O's are going to get on. And in this one, after 408 votes... 24% thought we'd lose, 33% thought we'd draw, but a whopping 43% thought that we'd win. So, uh, And I was in that uh, winning uh, uh, percentage, I voted. You voted? I did. Oh, okay. I did, because I went on the Bolton podcast, and they put me on the spot and said, score prediction, 2-1 Orient, because I thought it'd be a one goal in it either way. Um, so I was quite quite pleased with that, so I thought, let my, I'll back myself. Um, so thanks to everyone who took the time to vote, all 408 of you, very much appreciated. we actually done two Bolton podcasts because at the moment we're just getting asked left, right and centre to do different things. I, I said one all on the one I was in. Did like, you? I would go one up, but I said Bolton's bench and strength depth might seem get a late equaliser. Yeah. And so I'm glad I wasn't right, uh, which was good. So at two o'clock, the team was announced with Sol Brinning goal with Ethan Galbraith, Omar Beckles, Dan Happy and Jaden Swinney at the back. El Mizuni, Brown, Sanders making up the midfield with Archibald Ford and Adji completing the 11. And on the bench, we had Byrne, Turns, Cooper, Prattley, Monker, Situyu and Joe Pickett. Indeed. Uh, that side saw one change from the last two starting lineups, which has been very consistent and able to name yep. the same lineup for the last two games, Jay, uh, two previous games. Jaden Sweeney came in to replace Tom James, who unfortunately is bereaved. His father passed away last week, so he wasn't in the squad. And also Theo Archibald made his 100th league appearance. So well done to Mr. Archibald, and obviously our condolences to yep. Tom and his family. For me, that was a perfect team, exactly what I expected. I think there was a tweet on the Friday saying Tom James' dad had passed away, not yeah. from the club, but from a fan. And I thought, he's not playing, if that, if that's the case. And you've like, got to be pretty bold to put a tweet like that out if you don't know, yeah. Yeah, so exactly the kind of team I expected. Big chance for Jaden. I think Very. he's been the forgotten man for a lot of parts of this season, after such a good season last season. Um, so, yeah. Also, I did note that bench is really strong. Turns and Cooper, defensive Prattley uh, as a defensive midfielder, Monko as an attacking midfielder, and Saturian Pig up top. That's a lot of options on the bench. You look yeah. there, you go, actually, that squad now is starting, starting to come together. It's a good-looking squad, that is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for me, big fan of an unchanged side. And like you, I agree, big, big chance for Jaden to show what he's about. I think, he's been, I think it's been a bit unfair that, that he's had centre midfielders, central midfielders playing in a, in a full-back position when he could have naturally just gone in there. But I understand Richie probably wants to keep certain players on the pitch for, for added strength in depth. Um, and yeah, like we said earlier, condolences to Tom uh, and the James family uh, in general. We had quite a few tweets that came in after this. We certainly did when it was announced. Gianluca Bow 3 0 double seven two. It's a good lineup. About time Sweeney came in. Can mm. see us doing a job here. Paul Redrum said, hopes Jaden Sweeney has a good game. This could be his chance to stake a claim if he plays well. He's had to be patient up the O's. Then Chin Chin wanted it's on after an uncertain time. The match with injury and illness will hit Bolton, especially their events. The O's should dominate if they avoid sloppy play that will be punished. Should be clinical going forward to score and provide a tight defence. Maybe another clean sheet and good to see Galbraith starting. Yeah, before the match, Theo Archibald was awarded the December goal of the month for his strike away at Bolton and also goal of the year for his half volley at home to Doncaster. And a nice touch, X, 
um, uh, club captain and ex-Bolton Wanderers midfielder and their captain, Darren Prattley, walked over and laid a wreath in front of the Bolton fans in memory of Bolton fan Ian Perslow, who unfortunately, sadly, never made it home uh, from their game uh, the previous week. So our condolences to the Perslow family. Um, and uh, yeah, that was a real real lovely gesture and, and that was well received by the Bolton fans. Yeah, absolutely. So the Classy. Match, sorry, yeah, classy. Yeah, it absolutely was, as you'd expect from yeah, our, yeah. our club. From us, uh, yeah. yeah, the match got underway. In a cold E10, Rio's looking to build on a recent good form and excellent away win at Pompey last week against a Bolton team who had won their last four league games and if results went their way, could have gone top of the league. So again, no weak opposition this week. Not at all. Eight minutes on the clock, we won a free kick in a dangerous position, but Theo Archibald took it. Unfortunately, that was comfortably saved by Nathan Baxter. It was, and in a very tight game, neither keeper had much to do. In the in the 18th minute, though, after some decent possession, the ball was worked out to our right-hand side. Shaq Forter came, but he fired wide. Ten minutes later, Jaden Sweeney was booked after Dion Charles tried to take a quick free kick. Sweeney was judged to have purposely blocked it, and the referee pulled out a yellow card. Now, Charles wanted to take the free kick, and Jaden was walking away, and Charles has kicked the ball at him. And got in books. I think Jaden's a bit hard done by there. A little bit there. Seen him given. So, yeah. 38 minutes in. Omar Beckles fired over at the bar after some neat interplay and some nice football from the O's. Yeah, 41 minutes. A let off for the O's as Added Bayejo beat Omar Beckles, got in behind him, passed back to Thomason. His chipped cross beat Jaden Sweeney, found Charles unmarked at the back post, and with the goal wide open, he managed to direct his header onto the post. The danger was then cleared. Lucky, lucky Orient there. Really? Beckles got done by Adi Baejo. They played it really well. Thomason's chip was perfectly over the head of Sweeney. And I've watched enough EFL shows to know that Dion Charles, when he gets those kind of chances, normally puts them into the back of the net, hit the post. At that moment, you thought, this might be our day here. But we've spoken a lot about luck, like, you know, in the early stages of the season, going against us at pivotal points in matches. When your luck's in, your luck's in. And at the moment, I think, Mr. Levy, our luck is in. Yeah. And, and you know, that ball could have fallen anywhere once it hit the post. Yeah. But just falls to the feet of Sweeney and he boots it away. Could have yeah. fallen back to Charles, who would have had a tap in. So, again, very lucky. Yeah, when you put it like that, that really is. Because they should have really scored that. And watching that back on the replays, I'm, I'm staggered as to how he hasn't. Yeah. I really don't, really don't get it. But anyway... That's good for us. <laughs> 43 minutes, some nice build-up play. Saw Idris El Mazzouni have a shot, but that was comfortably saved by Nathan Baxter as well. El Mazzouni looked back to his best up yesterday. Looked up for it. Looked on it. Bang on it. Running circles around you know, his opponents midfield. in midfield, which is yeah. what we've, we've come to expect from Idris. One minute of additional time's played out. No further talking points. The ref blew his half-time whistle as the teams went in Goldison at half-time. Yeah, 8,642 crammed into Brisbane Road. There was over 1,100 travelling fans who were, I must say, remarkably quiet the whole game. They were. I, I expected um, I expected more from um, yeah. Bolton fans, in, in all honesty, given what a big club they are and how well they've been doing doing lately. You know, cold trip to London, I thought that would have been their bread and butter, but not to be. No yeah. changes for those at half-time. And Dan Adji almost opened the scoring in sensational uh, fashion in the first minute of the half. He showed strength and skill, turning two Bolton defenders superbly. He looked up and unleashed a lovely curling shot that looked like it was going to hit the top bins, but just went over Baxter's post. Oh, so close, lovely. Yeah, we actually was... missed that. We actually were walking back from the bar. Had, <laughs> had that gone in and we missed that goal, I would have been... 
gutted. I'd have been upset by that. Absolutely. I don't know how Imagine. we missed. I don't know how we missed that. But yeah, superb from Adji. Um, really deserved that. He did that to be a goal. That yeah. was a superb turn. Superb turn. Sent two two players the wrong way. Um, really brilliant. Forty seven minutes. Good play from Idris again inside the bottom box. He found Sanders, but his cross came come shot. Went wide of the far post. You'll see that trickle across yeah, the place. No, just needed a poacher to get on no the No one end. gambling. No one gambling. Ford's kind of just like stationary in the middle and there's no one kind of making the run like in behind Ford. I guess it was Ford's run to make. But yeah, agonisingly wide. And Sanders went close again in the 51st minute as he had a low shot which forced Baxter into a fine save in front of the south stand. I've got to say, in the build-up to that, Jordan Brown does really well to win the ball off a Bolton player, like just outside their box, and the ball, and ball comes to Adji, who passes it into Sanders, who mm. takes the shot. But Brown done well there, but we came out second half, and we looked, we looked like the team who were trying to get to the top of the table. And Bolton kind of looked a bit shell-shocked. They couldn't get out of their half, were turning over possession, and we could just come, in, come straight back at them. I don't know what was said at half-time. Maybe we'll ask, we'll ask him just to say, like, what on earth happened there? Because it was tactically really tight in the first half. No one really giving much ground away. No sort of depth run from you know yeah. behind in in behind because everyone was you know making sure that they were doing what they were tasked uh, at doing. But here we are, like we've gone at them and just cutting them open. Brilliant, it was fantastic to watch. Fifty four minutes on the clock. Superb closing down. But I think it was Jaden Sweeney high up the pitch saw him block the ball. That then fell kindly forwards, um, and Dana Jay was onto it immediately. Took a great first touch, held off his defender and calmly slotted the ball past Nathan Baxter and into the back of the net to send Brisbane Road utterly delirious and make it 1-0 to the O's. His first goal at home and he celebrated with, I don't think it was the Kevin Nolan chicken dance, I think it was, um, was it JJ Okocha? No, it was Kevin Nolan. Is that what he was doing? Ah, oh, right. So he done Ben Jani last Portsmouth. week, yeah. and this week he's done Kevin Nolan. So I don't, of I don't. He played for them and us. I don't know any um, Reading forwards, but I imagine he's got one lined up if he scores against. It might be his thing. I don't know enough about him as a as a goal scorer. Yeah, but, oh, yeah uh, fair. Yeah, of course. Kevin Nolan played for them as well. Oh, he's he done the old Kevin Nolan chicken dance. Absolutely, yeah. but love it. Took it really well, didn't he? First touch sets him up beautifully, and obviously he's a really strong player because once he's in behind that bottom defender, they touch him, he's down, and that's a penalty. It, it, they, yeah. they just can't get him off him. Took yeah. it beautifully well. Well done, Jaden Sweeney, as well. Lovely finish there. Got to say, on the balance of playing the second half, completely deserved. It was coming. It wasn't a fluke out of nowhere. That goal was was absolutely coming. And pressing high up the pitch is what pays off. Adji now three and three. Brilliant. Love to see it. Yeah, big moment in the match in the fifty-six minute as Bolton got through. The O's defence, Sol Brin having to make a serve, superb save from a one-on-one with Dion Charles. Again, well there, again Charles normally scores those for breakfast, but I've got to say, Brin done really well there. Stands up big, makes the goal small, and makes a really good save. And I say, if I'm being critical though, both Happy and Beckel seem to stop when Charles is in. Both like, Especially Happy, just literally stops running, raises his arm up before Charles has even taken the shot. I think they got to play till to the whistle but again when you're Lux in you're Lux in seen other strikers bury those against us but yeah. Lux not going our way so but like you said earlier the Lux going our way at the moment absolutely yeah. great save Bryn had to be alert again in the 59th minute uh, oh no I've gone a bit forward 57th minute I think it was a testament to Orient that Bolton had to make a triple substitution and take off three big players and had by Edjo, Charles and Sheehan so Obviously, their manager uh, was Everts, uh, yeah, Ever, yeah. having to make changes there. And like I said, Bryn had to be alert again two minutes later to deny but an equaliser at the near post after Bolton had worked a good opportunity. So Bryn having to, to earn his money yeah. again. I think it was Dempsey that had that, that opportunity. But 
Um, Adebayejo, like we wouldn't normally mention opposition substitutions, but as is an exo, uh, Victor Adebayejo came off looking big and chunky, looking very Muscle useful. Man. Yeah, looking very useful, and obviously Dion Charles is their top scorer, so obviously they weren't very happy. First sub for the O's in the 65th minute. Jordan Brown went down injured just before that, but he and he wasn't able to continue, so he was replaced by Darren Prattley, who came on to face his former club. Love the fact that as soon as Prattley came on, you had the whole 10 more years Darren Prattley yeah. into the paparazzi Darren yeah. Prattley song. Prattley's got... Uh, He's got two songs. <laughs> very two, precious. Probably the two best songs that I think Orient fans are singing at the moment. Yeah. I love them. Brilliant stuff. Uh, the O's had to make their second sub three minutes later as Max Sanders was replaced by Real Satu. <laughs> I've got to admit, I raised my eyebrows at this one. Not the fact that Sanders come off. I think he's been managed back to full fitness by Richie. And we know Richie likes to manage his players coming back. But... I thought that sub was particularly made for Monker, Mona Satiriu. So when Satiriu come on, because obviously Sanders is playing in the central midfield position, and that's where Satiriu went for the most part. So I was surprised to see not mm-hmm. Monker not get on the pitch there. So let's skip to the 76th minute, and Shaq forward worked a nice opportunity for himself, got the shot away, but easily saved by Baxter. Indeed, 81 minutes. Richie Wellens tried to prevent Bolton from taking a throw-in right in front of his dugout with Williams several yards ahead of where he should have been. They were doing that all afternoon. Yep. Richie was then shown a red card and sent to the stands. He we will ask him about that in a minute. Yeah, we'll ask him kind of his thoughts on that and I guess what the suspension is. I presume it's a straight red like a player. Sorry, a straight one-game suspension like a player gets. I guess we'll find out shortly, although that's not his first red card of the season, so he's got a couple now. Super Richie Wellens. All right, 86 minutes, third change for the O's. Dan Adji was replaced by George Monker, and obviously that means the two goes up top. Monker drops back. Yep. And again, managing Adji back to full fitness. Seven minutes of time, added time went up on the fourth official's board, but with no real major talking points, the match was brought to a close with the O's sealing all three points against promotion chasing and ex-Premier League big guns Bolton Wanderers to make it another three points and our fifth clean sheet in a row. All right, so that win and so subsequent three points. These guys move up to ninth, getting nosebleeds. Bloody old in League One. So high. Played twenty-seven, won ten, drawn eight, lost nine. So we've won more league games than what we've drawn and lost as a singular. Yeah. Goal difference is now minus two, and I think at one point it was minus nine. It was it's now minus two. Yeah. And sitting very comfortably on thirty-eight points. So we've lost exactly one in three now. We've levelled that out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so love to see it. That's all good. So Matt Harold had to do press post match press yesterday. His interviews on YouTube. We've got Richie coming up shortly. Um, so we're just going to skip to our views uh, on that now. So for me, what a game! Expertly um, executed. The plan was to a T on point. Very tight first half. As I said, very even. Clearly, each side had done their homework on each other. And Richie, had, in his um, pre match. Uh, interview had said how um, tactically astute, or alluded to how uh, tactically astute Ian Everett was, um, and and you know clearly that was there for all to see. Um, Post match, I think Ian said that um, his side were nowhere near where they should have been. Great, um, which Agree. is which is great, great yeah. for us. Um, Bryn really only had two or three saves to make all game. I think he would have been forgiven for for switching off, but it just shows you that he switches on for the whole ninety. You know, he stops Dion Charles and, and a couple of other uh, decent saves he had to make. Certainly the less busy of the two keepers. I thought Dan Adji, what a well-taking goal that was. Great composure. Great. Never showed sign of buckling. And we are one of the informed teams in this league at the moment. Since losing to Bolton uh, on the 23rd of December, we've beaten Charlton, 
We've drawn against Wickham, we've beaten Cambridge and Pompey and now Bolton. We've kept five clean sheets and that's 530 minutes without conceding a goal. 530 minutes. If we were sat here a month ago, we wouldn't be. I'd be calling us all sorts of silly names to think that we were going to keep five, five clean sheets and not score a goal in 530 minutes. So, to, just to finish, like absolutely delighted with where we were at. Complete transformation and turnaround since the uh, three goals went in in nine minutes against Bolton <laughs> on the 23rd. It really is. Everything transferred, uh, um, transformed then. And for me, yes, it's really hard to choose a man of the match because everyone put in a shift to a man for the whole time that they were on, on the pitch as well. I thought George Moncurry, when he came on, you know, running as fast as he could to chase a ball down and, and, and get in there uh, quick. And, and Ruel had a chance that he probably should have done better with. But everybody, to a point, you know, Jaden Sweeney with his, with his tackles and reading of the game, fantastic. Yeah, delighted. Lovely stuff. Yeah, great game. Probably the best atmosphere I can remember at home, to be honest, in a very long time. I think we were on it uh, as a fan base from minute one. And suddenly you look around the pitch and there are no weaknesses. You've got a good forward three driving you forward. You've got a tenacious uh, and productive midfield three at the moment and the back four. And Sobran looked great in goal. So we were fantastic. Every player, at least an 8 out of 10, I think, for yesterday. We made a good Bolton team. Don't get, you know, don't, don't get this wrong. Bolton are a good team and we made them look very poor yesterday. And also, I think we made their fans slightly subdued. We spoke about their fans not singing. I think that's because we were on top of them from minute one. And as a fan base, they couldn't be overheard over us. I think mm-hmm. I think we played a part in that uh, as well as the team. And I think we're starting to get a bit of a of a decent spine now in the team. I think as a team, all big championship teams need that spine. And I think you've got brilliant goal. He seems to be growing with each game. You know, he now holds the longest period of time this season in the EFL for not conceding a goal at 530 minutes. That's the longest consecutive run this season in the EFL. So he owns that, and obviously that will expand next week. Beckles has been phenomenal since he's been back. I don't know what happened to him or what, what he was doing uh, kind of to come back from his injury, but looks a different player. Elmir's, like we've touched upon yesterday, back to his exciting best. And Adji... I haven't seen him much, but continues to excite me from mm-hmm. what I've seen. Like, I've barely seen him. I didn't go to those two away games. I saw him come on and make substitute appearances, but I think yesterday must have been the first time I've seen him start. And he was brilliant. He had a real good uh, battle with Santos, uh, who's not, you know, he's no mug Santos. Big guy. Big guy. Very good. Good technically. Yeah. And Adji gave, gave him a very hard game. So, yeah. love to see it. He's been making a massive difference up front, Adji. The ball's going up and it's sticking up front. It is. And he's yeah. getting shots away. So, Look, credit to the squad, credit to Richie as well. Tactics and lineups spot on yesterday. I got a huge positive feeling at the full time whistle yesterday when that full time whistle went. So those were our views. We're delighted now to be joined by Super Richie Wellens on the phone. Evening, Richie. Got lots of questions for you from us and from our listeners. So we'll start off by asking you about yesterday's performance against Bolton. So what were your thoughts on the Bolton game? Well, I think when you play a team five, six games ago, it gives you a real good insight to what they're about. And apart from the last 10 minutes, which was obviously a disaster from our point of view, I think then the next 75 minutes and 95 minutes on on Saturday, we did it more and match them. I think we was better than them in a lot of areas. And if you allow Bolton to get there, a lot of their patterns are in the final third and the patterns are really, really good. So what we wanted to do is we wanted to make sure that on a consistent basis we, we didn't allow them to get into our final third easy. I didn't think they, they ever had any real good spell of um of possession or pressure in around our third. A lot of their pressure was 
balls down the sides of us when our full-backs jumped. And then obviously if our defenders, in terms of Omar and Dan Hap, that lost a duel against their physical forwards, then it was it was a bit of a transitional game. But apart from that, to, to concede four shots and only one on target to a team like Bolton, then, you know, all in all, it's been a, it's been, it was a really, really good day for us. We've just run through the Bolton game and we mentioned how kind of aggressive we came out for the second half in terms of adjuvant really close and Sanders had a couple of efforts before we, we took the lead. What did you say to the boys at half-time, Richie? Was it take a more aggressive approach or was it just do what you keep doing? No, I think our work rate was exceptional. So what I didn't want to do is, is this game, I had a feeling that Ian was going to get into his team because I don't think he would have been happy. Um but I tried to stress to the players it wasn't going to be the same. But then I was very aware that the last 20 minutes, if we carried on playing the same way and the score was still at nil-nil, then it, it, it could be difficult for us. The, the goal came at a really good time for us because we'd had four or five opportunities in around their box at that time. And it came at a real good time, both in terms of it, it gives you extra energy and it gives especially our front players something to hold on to it means that they carry on running because we're trying to protect the lead and obviously we have the subs bench in terms of the last 10-15 minutes to come on so um, I think tactically we, we were spot on I think tactically a lot of the games we've been spot on this year it's just that now we have the pace and the, and the energy and and the intensity to, to carry that out it's funny you say that because well not funny in a ha-ha way but it, it's we, we said that the first half was pretty much cancelling each other out. It was very tight, not a lot of space, not a lot of balls in behind. The, you know, Dion Charles obviously um, had his chance where thankfully he hit he hit the post and then we were able to clear it. But it was very tight in the first half and, and certainly a different second half and we were a lot more on it and they didn't seem to be. I don't think Ian was quite rightly happy with his squad. No, I, I, listen, it, it, it's a tough game for them. What, you know, we played them, We played them four or five weeks ago and... We obviously, we have that disastrous 10 minutes, but then I, I feel we're a better team and I think we should get something out of the game. Yeah. But then I know I know that we're going to play them in four or five weeks. So I said a little comment after the game that their press heard that, you know, if I had their squad, I would win the league by 10 points or I'd be 10 points clear. And it's a throwaway comment that I know is going to get back. And I, listen, I like that part of the game where mind games, if you like. So I know that, I like getting under people's skin and I felt that we got under their skin in terms of the comments that came back to us before the game. Like, you know, we could have signed a lot of their players, which which we couldn't. You look at their front two yesterday. Bolton had signed them for a combined fee of probably a million or a million plus. So we can't have their players. They're the biggest club in the league, in ter- along with Derby, in terms of expenditure, in terms of supporter base and in terms of history about their being in the Premier League. So we have to find different ways to win the game. If we sit off and allow Bolton to play and, and, and let the game look like the way that they want to play, then invariably if we play the game 50 times, 47 times out of 10, that Bolton are going to win and we can't allow that. So I think in the, in the recent weeks we've, we've, we've got our game plan right and I have to say that the players have been absolutely spot on, not, in, not just in terms of, of taking on the initial tactical advice and, and, and the way that we want to play but they found ways in the game and sometimes when you ask a team to do certain things and the opposition counteracts sometimes it can take two or three minutes for, for us to see it and then change it the players are actually getting better at you know I think our game management is as good as anybody in the league but now the players are now taking on board and the decision making within the game straight away and I think that's helped us a lot but um, listen I think I can't, I can't think of too many months 
in Leighton Orient's last 20 years where we've gone, we've gone four or five weeks and we beat Charlton at home, Portsmouth away and Bullet at home. You know, the fact that we're competing with these huge clubs, you only look at, you only look at the Charlton. I think Charlton have signed six players this month and got no points. So, you know, we're, we're starting to compete with some real big boys and, and it's a joy to work with, with our players. It's certainly a joy to watch uh, on the pitch at the moment, Richie. So, we sit ninth in League One at the moment. What are your thoughts on the season so far? Are you happy with where we're at? No, I think we have to take it into context um, and break it down. Our start wasn't great, but I think we had... And everybody says, oh, the managers are making it. And, you know, I, I heard that Ian Everett wasn't happy with the pitch yesterday. And then people lambast him about saying, oh, our pitch is great. And I understand what Ian's saying there. You know, our pitch is great, but there's that little bit of extra extra crispiness on top. The travel, the, the ball travels that much quicker and it has a, it is a little bit more bobblier because of the surface being a little bit more crispy. And I get that. So everybody's quick to fire to, to fire into managers about, you know, excuses, this, that, the, the other. We signed players late in the January window, which meant that we... We have to get players fit, and we can't we can't get players fit in pre-season games. We can't get players fit in training because the season is now up and running, and we have to get them fit in the games. And when you're trying to get them fit with against Charlton away, against Wickham away, against Portsmouth at home, it's really really difficult. So we we had to learn on a job in the first four games, and I think if we would have picked up four or five more points in them four, first four games. And the Lincoln game killed us because by the time the replay came around, we we, we lost the game against Lincoln. So we, we, we had a six-point swing with them. We, to respond from that, the injury to Jordan Graham. So we've had problems, we've had issues, but I would imagine that a lot of clubs, clubs have had issues. But I do look at Bolton and I do look at Portsmouth and the first 22, 23 games, they've had no issues. And all of a sudden, Portsmouth gets get Robertson, who for me is one of the best players in the league. He gets injured, and their form starts a, a little bit, a little bit not as consistent as what it was. So, you know, we've had our issues. I think we're more or less now a fully fit squad. Obviously, Rob Hunt and and Aaron Drinan are out injured, and then obviously Jordan Graham's a season long loan, which is sorry, a season injury. So. We're gutted to miss them type of players, but but we're in good form and everybody's fit now. Everybody's firing, and um, and we're really really confident. You mentioned um, injuries uh, there. Uh, Matt Harold mentioned uh, that there's a few niggles um, in and amongst the squad at the moment in his post match yesterday with Dave Victor. Um, any yeah. update on those? And I think you've also mentioned Theo Archibald as well might have something needing a rest or something like that. Is there any yeah. anything you're able to share with us? No, in terms of Theo, so Theo was actually a freak. He's a freak of nature because he has no he has no ACL. So whereas a lot of players do their ACL, he has no ACL, but he's able to play on, and he's you know. Uh, Theo's fitness in, in his robustness is is unbelievable, but what you don't want to do as a manager, you don't want to be playing Theo ninety minutes every Saturday, every Tuesday. We've got seven games in February, seven games in March, and that can have an effect not just on his injury situation, but also on the the quality of his performance. I mean, Ruel has been out injured for two weeks, and you know, obviously he's not come back in the team, and Ruel won't be happy because that's the type of character he's. But his two or three week injury is actually a blessing in disguise for me, because it gives him a rest. 
Mm. Whereas if he doesn't get injured, I'm forced to play him. I'm forced to bring him on because obviously he's a goal threat. Um, yes, yesterday was Jordan Brown's got a slight problem with his calf. I'm asking him on the pitch, is he okay? He says yes, I'm fine. But then he doesn't track their runners and he's hobbling, which says to me, I have a clear, I have no excuses with the players. If you if you say you're fine to me, then don't hobble and track your runners. If you say fine to me and you track your runners and you don't hobble, then I'll keep you on. But as soon as I see that people ain't tracking runners and hobbling, then you know it gives the players an excuse. So obviously we've got Darren Pratt in the bench. You can come on and I thought he'd done a tremendous job. Um, and then obviously Dan Aggie, we played him probably 15 minutes longer than we wanted to. Um, but obviously he's such a threat. And when you're playing up against Santos, who who he was a really really good defender at our level, but once they get into fights and wants to get isolated and wants to play 1v1, we've got the perfect guy to play up against him. And Dan Aggie, I thought he was tremendous. And then Max Sanders has a little tight hamstring. So again, there's no, there's no, there's no point risking these lads when we know we've got such a, such an amount of games in a short space of time, February and March. As well as injuries uh, to keep players out, also got potential suspensions, Richie. I, I guess anyone listening will know, obviously you got a red card yesterday. Do you want to yeah. give us your thoughts on the red card and I guess what subsequent I guess punishment is? Yeah, listen, that, it, I was actually unaware of the rule that if the manager or a coaching staff delays the start by any way, now it's a straight red. We was actually unaware of that. Um, we we this season is the only season that we've not had a referee come into to the club and explain the rules to the, both the staff and the players. Um, but listen, it's the rule. Is it wrong? Yes. It probably it's a sending off. Or it, for me, it should be a booking and it should be a warning. But I think everyone is aware that as soon as as soon as their player came on, their left wing back, Arando Williams, come on, and he's taking throw-ins from. Listen, we all steal five yards. You might get away with seven or eight, but the lad was stealing fifteen yards, and on top of that, he had a really really long throw. Mm-hmm. So it was causing us a problem. So the ball went went out of play probably seven eight yards to to my right and obviously I've seen him running up and I'm thinking he's going to throw it and then he doesn't throw it and then he's actually going to throw it probably four or five yards past me so I just put my arm across him as in just to delay him because I've seen Beckles was 1v1 down the line um, and he's probably a red card would I do it again? I probably would because... <laughs> no but I think it's important that, and, and people always say and listen I, I need to sometimes I like being on that line I think it's important that the players know I'm on that line, and I think it's important that the players know that I'm with them and I'm in the game, and I want to. Sh- I'm asking my players to do certain things and show a lot of intensity. So I think it's therefore important that I show them the same in- intensity. Um, I mean, I see a lot of managers stand on the on the sideline and, and and just stand there, and I think how is that helping the players? I understand that if you pep and you've got the best players and you can sit down and relax because you know you've got the best players. But a lot of our games are 50-50 and if, we can, if I can help my team in any way then I'm quite prepared to, to go on that line. Okay. Um, I think probably a couple of times this year I've, 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 I've stepped over it which I've paid the price both in terms of, of not being on the sideline and financially. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying. I am trying. But, um, you know, I want to be with my players. I ask my players to do a lot and I want them to, to make sure that when they do look across to me I'm with them. So when you're not on the sideline, Richie, so say if you're watching from the stands, like how do you watch the game? You know, how do you manage your emotions during the game, or how are you getting messages to Paul and Matt? In terms of managing my emotions, it's a lot easier. I see the game a lot clearer because obviously, mm. when you're 
I don't know if you guys have ever sat at the, the, the bottom two or three rows of a, of a stadium and then so, and sit real high up. Mm. The difference is when you're low, the speed's greater. You have to watch the ball because obviously you don't have that that range of vision. And when you're higher up, the game goes a lot slower. You can see pictures a lot quickly. You see things developing a lot quicker. And the game moves a lot slower. So, and then also in your eye line, I can be watching the ball, but I can also see see bigger areas because I'm a, I'm a more advantage advantageable point. So, I think it's a lot easier. The the biggest disadvantage is obviously getting your message across quicker. So, I do see the game quite quick quickly, especially when you're playing teams like Bolton, where the patterns are clear and you've set up a training plan throughout the week, and the players are clear. You know, if if the players veer off that. It's really, really easy to just get them back in line. When you're playing other teams and it's it's long ball, it's second balls, you're going off a lot of who wins the first duel, where are players positioned for the second ball. So some of it can be taken to chance, but I think that's the only disadvantage where you can actually help the players by telling them, you know, within one or two seconds. Mm. Um. We've got good strength in depth, as you mentioned and alluded to um, earlier. So how do you keep the players who aren't playing happy and to stop the negativity creeping in and perhaps spoiling what seems to be a really positive dressing room? That's the impression that I have of it anyway. When you see the players together, they all seem to be a really good group. I think, I think, I think you set a culture and it's all about setting the culture and people have to accept that culture. If they don't like it, they can leave the club. You know, you, you look at people at the moment. Like we just signed Brandon Willett there, sorry, Brandon Cooper on a on a permanent deal. But but Omar and, and Dan Happ are playing so well that they can't be taken out at the moment. Mm. You've got Ed Turns who's jumping at the bit, who who is not happy about not playing at the moment. But Ed Turns has been with us probably a calendar year now, and in ninety five percent of the games that he has been fit to play, he's been picked. The only time that he hasn't played is when he's been away with Wales or he's been ill. So he has to accept now that guys are in front of him have got the spot and it's up to them to keep playing and it's up to Ed to keep training and Brandon to keep training to try and edge their way in. Um, and I think everybody's fair. You know, when Omar, Omar is, is a brilliant professional, when he was out of the team, he'd done great, he trained properly. And I think once you've got your experienced players going down that line, Adam Thompson hasn't played a game for us this year and, and the way that he trains every single day is exemplary. So I think he set the culture and, and as long with the management staff, then once you've got the older players doing it, then you know none of the younger guys can step out of line because you, you've got such a group that keep it together. As soon as one steps out of line, he hasn't got five or six to drag with him. So it can be more difficult to do it as an individual. So moving on to the January transfer window, now three weeks into it. At the moment, one incoming. You've mentioned kind of Brandon Cooper. Obviously, we had him on loan, sent him back, and then brought him in on a permanent. What? Why? What was the decision, I guess, behind bringing him in on on a permanent? Well, really simple. It frees up a loan, and at the end of the season, we have Dan Happy who's out of contract. And we have Ed Turns, who is on loan. So what we didn't want to do is get to the end of the season and just have Omar Beckles, who is our only contracted centre-half, and then you have to go and recruit three centre-halves within one window. So you get Brandon, who is, for me, a really, really good League One defender. And worst case scenario, in the summer, we have got Brandon Cooper and we've got Omar Beckles. So we're starting from a, from a, from a good point. Obviously, we'd love to keep Dan, but Dan's out of contract. What you don't want to be doing is recruiting three three centre halves in the, in the same window. It can be really really difficult. So that was the thinking behind that one. Is there 
um, desire to keep Dan? Uh, has he been offered a new contract? Are you able to shed any light on that at all? Yeah, I think um, Dan Happ and Ruel have been offered contracts. Martin's busy with with their agent. Rob Hunt has been offered a new contract. And we're just in... It's really, really difficult to offer new contracts when we're a newly promoted team. We didn't have the greatest start. We're always looking down, you know, and, and we wanted to get January out of the way. And I'm sure there's, there's two or three other players that will be offered new contracts in the, in the coming weeks. In terms of other loan signings that we've got, um, are you interested in or able to make any of their loan signings more, more permanent at all? Do we have options? No, mm, probably not. And, and I see a lot of people or supporters always say, why are we taking loans in? Why are we taking loans in? It's because we, we get Sol brilliant. I think Sol's been brilliant mm. all year. Um, we can't afford Sol. If Sol was to go back to Middlesbrough and they put and they put Sol on the open market, we couldn't we couldn't afford him. Um, so that when you when you take in loan players, especially from higher clubs, you know you don't have to pay a fee. So you get the player in for free, and then you only play, you only play you you pay a fraction of the wages. For example, if we couldn't afford to to pay Sol's wages, we probably couldn't. Well, we could probably just afford to to pay um, Idris El Mazouni's wages. But in the mean, you have an agreement with the clubs where you pay, sometimes it's 50%, sometimes it's 75%. You know, in Shaq Fords, you know, Shaq's got a fantastic chance. You know, he's a brilliant talent. He's grown so much in the last two or three months. He's going to be a real, real player. So, you know, the, the, what we're playing Watford for Shaq is, a, is an absolute bargain. Um, but I would imagine Shaq will go back and, and sign a new contract. At Watford, we would be obviously interested in signing him on a permanent but I think the contract that will be offered by Watford it would be out of our reach Fair, okay so there seems to be a few other rumours uh, floating around I just wondered if you might be able to help confirm or, or quash them uh, any truth to Ben Doherty who's at Derry City Do you know I have that? no idea who Ben Doherty is Right, that answers that one Aaron Drynan reportedly off to uh, another League One club is there any truth in that at all? Can you shed any light on that? No, well, Aaron has been injured for for a significant amount of weeks now. Um, so we, we just need to make sure that we get Aaron back fit as quickly as possible. Um, we have had an offer for one of our players from another League One club, which um, which is close, but we just have to wait and see. OK, thank you. Do you need to move any players on to bring in new ones I know Brandon is an exception because he was on loan but do you need to move anyone on to be able to sign or, or is there space in the budget in the squad I to think be there's, able a, to there's, a, there's a little bit left in the budget um, we, we've more or less done a winger so he was very very close again he done on Friday so he would be eligible for Saturday but there was just a problem with the with the um, sell on with, with his parent club so I'm hoping that Martin can get that done Monday if possible because it allows him to play on Monday and then we have a friendly against Brentford B on Tuesday so that would be the perfect scenario but if it's not and we have to wait till Tuesday then I'm pretty confident that will that will be done um, but I but I'm, what I try and do I always look after players so there's, there's a couple of our players that listen I'd love to keep them but I do need to free up money in terms of our budget and I also look after them in terms of if there's a, a club out there now willing to give these lads an 18-month, two-and-a-half, three-and-a-half-year deal, then they should take it. 
because they've only got six months left with us. Mm. And what I don't want to do is get to the end of the season and they don't play and then they go into a pool of a thousand players where their bargaining power is really, really small. Mm. You'll get a lot of bargaining power for some of our players at the moment because you'll get the you know, you'll get the bottom of the league two clubs that are desperate to stay in the league, you get the top of the league two clubs that are desperate to get in League One, and then you get the bottom of the League One clubs that are desperate to stay in League One. So when you when you get clubs in them positions, they tend to panic, they spend they tend to overspend, and that's where the power of the player becomes becomes a little bit more to the fore. You know, the agents playing on that, that they're desperate. So what I try and do is I always try and look after the players if they can get a longer contract elsewhere and obviously secure the family's future a little bit more than, than I'm all for that. How many Especially players that have done really well for me. And how many players have you said that to in the squad? I don't expect you to name names, but have you had many conversations like that? No, not at the moment, because, well, I've had, a, I've had that conversation with one, um, but there's probably a couple more that we could have that conversation, but... Mm. At the minute, there's no interest in them players, and I'm not, and I'm not in a rush to lose them because they're such good characters. Um, and we're not in a position where we're desperate and we need to do rash things and give out stupid deals to players coming in, um, or to players that are not fit, or to players that have not got a, quite the right motivation to come into our club. So, I think we're, we're in a comfortable position. If we keep the, the players that are, are not getting in our team at the moment, then I'm fine with that. But if something pops up that helps them players and helps their family, then it's something that we'll look at. Great stuff. Very honest answer there. Thank you, Richie. We had loads of listener questions. We'll try and get through as many as what we can. First up uh, is a question from Danny Raymond, who says, how are you liking living down here and how tough is it being away from your family? No, I mean, there's many, there's many people in different industries, in, in business, in whatever industry you're in, that you have to work away from your family. So, you know, my family understand it. My family come to more or less every game. My, my son loves it. You know, I, I would imagine a lot of the supporters have seen my mum and dad at the games. So, it's, um, it's something that you have to deal with. Um, I try and I try and get a balance. Whereas, um, when I was a, when I was a, a younger, more inexperienced manager, I wanted to work every day. I wanted to take every single session, and I'm not like that no more. I, I let Matt and PT do a lot of the. The work on a Monday, Tuesday, and only Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then I only really take over the latter part of the week, and it gives me that that relaxation, that freedom to just let them get on with it, and it also empowers them to get on to get on with a job. Um, but listen, Booker still isn't the worst place to live. <laughs> you know, we're literally around the corner. Um, I'm two minutes from the tube station, which gets me into London, or to gets me wherever I want to be pretty quickly. Um, sometimes I drive home sometimes I'm 40 minutes from Houston and, and obviously Houston to Manchester is a two hour train journey so it's, it's not bad I'm, I'm loving it um, Only I love it more because of the players that I work with and the staff that I work with, with every day make it a lot easier I think if I didn't have that that relationship with my staff and with my players then it, it could be a lot more difficult but my family understand and obviously they try and get down as, as much as they can but um, it's something that in the summer we might look into it a little bit more where we, I might move the family down it's just that my my middle son at the moment is 15 nearly 16 he's got his last last year of school he's got his exams he's a football player as well so he's trying to get a scholar somewhere so we'll see we'll see how that materialises and then maybe in the summer we might move down there 
I think it's fair to say I've seen your parents at quite a few games with I think your dad had a massive smile on his face when uh, we won the league and was <laughs> so happy and then we've had your mum I'm sure you, know, you must know this your mum was on the podcast post Mansfield when I bumped into her and uh, we got two minutes with her and she was uh, elated with that with, with, with winning the league yeah well my dad probably had a, a smile on his face because he probably emptied the, the staff bar before <laughs> you see him because he does like popping up for a drink Um <laughs> And you usually hear my mum before you see her, so that's the type of personality she is. <laughs> One other question Danny asked is, since you'd already answered the question about your favourite dinner, he'd like to know if on a sausage sandwich you'd have red sauce, brown sauce or no sauce at all. He's guessing, being a northerner, that you'd have brown sauce. I'm going to say brown as well. Yeah, no, it's red. But my, my, everybody has dry joint. Dry, I can't even say it, dry, January, and my actually, you can ask the, the lads at the club, the staff, I love my ketchup, I have ketchup on everything, okay. it's a northern thing, yeah. but um, I've actually not touched any ketchup in January, I'm trying to lose a bit of weight, so ketchup and um, chocolate, I was off, oh. although I was hungry the other night, and Paul Terry nipped to the petrol station and got me a big bag of giant buttons, which... I avoided for about two hours and then and then give in. So yeah. I was about twenty days in before I dipped into the chocolate. But I'm doing okay with the ketchup. Don't blame you. Don't blame you. Chris W underscore one asks if you have a favourite game of the season so far. Yeah, Portsmouth away. Just because <laughs> again we we played Portsmouth early in the year and got beat four 0 and it was never a four 0 game. Um, and then we played him in a cup and it was a little bit of needle between me and the staff. And again, I, I didn't quite like it, but I like trying to put them under pressure because I've been in that position as a manager where you're going for the league and how do you deal with the pressure? So I do like putting managers in that position under a little bit of pressure to see how they react. Um, but to go away, 20 thousand is a big game for Portsmouth and to be 3 up at half-time and, and our supporters really enjoy the day. Um, yeah, that was, that was a special one. Um, just coming back, I asked a question about Dan Happy's contract um, earlier. Um, I had a question from Josh Abrahams who says, is the year option to extend Dan's contract with the club or is that with the player? Is there something, have I missed something about it? I know he's in the last few months. Do we have the option? Is there one in our favour to extend? Yeah, there is an option, but it, there's, there's a lot of... There's a lot of things that can trigger both options in both directions. So I, okay. I leave the contracts to mine, yeah. um, and obviously Martin will have the full details of that. We was in a really, really difficult place last year because the easiest thing for us to say is, OK, Dan, if you only want to accept a one-year deal, then leave. And that would have been poor from us because six-foot-five centre-backs who are left-footed and have the potential of Dan Hart they don't grow on trees and I said this to the board and again this is what I like about our board when you when when I'm telling them about players and it keeps coming off then they begin to trust me and obviously as a manager when you get you trust for your board it helps mm. moving along I'd like to think that we've developed players in our time if you look at the permanent players the players that we've moved on I told them when I come in that I could turn Hector Cipriano into a million pound player it's just unfortunate that we had a, a buyout clause that, that Peter were triggered which was under that um, you know, we've moved, we moved Shadrach on for the benefit of his own career, but I think we developed him. You look at the players that are coming in now, you know, Dan Hat, you look at people like the lone players, Ed Turns has developed great. You look at Lawrence Figury, Paul Smith, Max Sanders, Ethan Galbraith, uh, Ruel Soterio. A lot of players have, have really, really progressed in the last 
couple of years. So what we want to do is want to keep progressing and progressing, but we want him a long contract. But Dan knew that he had the power, so we decided to go with a one year and see how it goes. We would like Dan to stay, but I do think that Dan has a huge potential if he carries on learning and and, and keeps his concentration. Then he has a hell of a lot of potential. Our how to nineteen has got a question about Ethan Galbraith, and he said, "With Ethan Galbraith really excelling in a Trent style uh, right back role, which gives us that skillful extra man in midfield in the attacking phases, is Ethan now putting himself in the frame to attain his place in the team ahead of our traditional fullbacks once Rob Hunt and Tom James return, or do you see Ethan going back into the midfield?" Yeah, no, I think his long term future will be in midfield, and it's something that I signed. Um, Ethan at Doncaster for a loan from Manchester United for his first loan. And, listen, I see the talent, I see, but I'm a midfield player, and when midfield players work for me, you can ask them all. I'm the biggest critic, but I'm also the biggest help that they can have. And Because I, I I, I've obviously played there for 20 years, and I see the game very easy from a midfield player's point of view. Ethan has all the talent to go to the very, very top in terms of in possession, but in midfield, he needs to know... I need to make a decision maker quicker and better in terms of he, he sometimes does decisions that change the momentum for the opposition and he's aware of that and sometimes he tries to nick things the wrong side of midfield players which leave us isolated the other, the other side of midfield and ask questions of mid-defence so he's well aware of that I think putting that right back has just took a little bit of pressure off him it allows him to enjoy his football he's obviously got that line there that helps him but then it also helps us that when we keep Shaq forward wide and we ask Ethan to go in midfield, it allows our our opposite number four to, to go ahead into pockets or to make a box. So it will be Browning that can go ahead of the game. And once he goes into the head of the game, if the midfielder doesn't track him, then obviously we can pick him out or can play the other side of the midfield. Or if he does track him, which 90% of the, the time he will, it leaves... Ethan in the middle of the pitch to come in and get the ball. And then if their opposite winger wants to come in and mark Ethan, it means that Shaq Four is 1v1 with the full-back. So I think playing him there gives us a lot of options in attacking sense. And then when the ball turns over, we are in really, really good spaces and good distances from the opposition to press the ball high up. In terms of your contract situation, El Hayward asks, has there been any talks about an extension for yourself at all? Because I think you've got another year left, I think. A year and a half? Yeah, I think at the start of the season, Nigel and, and Martin stressed that they would like to, to offer me something. Um, that never materialised. Um, so listen, I've got, I've got, I've got this year and one and one year left. So we just crack on and we see and we see what happens. Mm-hmm. Okay. Boatsy has asked about your thoughts on what changed at Bolton away. Obviously, you mentioned the disastrous kind of first ten minutes, but since then we haven't conceded a goal and seem to have. Something seems to have struck the team where they've just been on this immense run of form. What, what, what? Because what are your thoughts on on that? And is, what has changed in in that in that period? Our our mindset mentality has changed from the from the tenth minute onwards. Where you know a lot of our supporters, a lot of supporters in the stadium, was thinking, "Oh, this could be six, seven, what?" Because Bolton beat Exeter at home seven nil probably two or three weeks before, um, and they had the capability to do that. Um, but we didn't go passive. We didn't just try and stay in the game straight away as soon as we went 3-0 we said right okay lose the extra centre back let's go let's press high up um, and I think that the players got a lot of belief from that um, as, as well as me as well as the other staff and then obviously 
the, the run after that has been really, really good. So I think the shift in mentality, I think a little bit, again, we wanted to play like we did last season, but to play like we did last season, obviously not having Charlie Kelman, um, it, it needs energy, it needs intensity and it needs it needs speed. So obviously Dan Aggie has helped us with that. Painting Orient said, any thoughts on how Brisbane Road can be made even more intimidating for visiting opponents? We were quite noisy yesterday, so I think that probably helped. I have to say, I thought our supporters were excellent. Um, But again, that's something that I spoke to to the players about even before the Bulletin game, but mainly before the Portsmouth game. Our mentality going forward now uh, when we play anybody is no respect to anybody. Anybody that comes here does not get anything for free. Whether it's a throw-in, whether it's a duel, they don't get anything for free. They have to work for it. And again, me, me just stepping across the thrower that wants to throw the ball down the line because he's going to do it quick, sends a message to the players, look, he's trying to do it for free. That's why he's trying to throw it down the line, but it's not free. I see that they're trying to cheat and go 15 yards down the line. Nothing is for free. So again, if our supporters can take that mentality on, and every, every team that comes here, we, we make it really, really difficult for them. And I think our supporters did that on on um, on Saturday. I think that every time we press Bull and High, every time that they passed it out of play or they give it away, our supporters was on top of them. And you know, I don't think they realise that when they are like that, it's a really difficult place to come. Yeah, I think I said in um, in my post match views yesterday. I think that was the best atmosphere. I think I can remember in a long, long time, even better than kind of when we won the league in terms of the whole ninety minute support. I think the fan base were on it straight away. Jordan Dobson asks about you, Richie. He says, "What excites you and keeps you motivated in football?" Well, I think the winning, obviously, <clears throat> but I think football is an entertainment business, and you have to entertain. Whether you entertain by free-flowing football which obviously I love whether it's by intensity whether it's by you know playing forward into areas and getting runners away you have to have loads of different dimensions to winning a football match but the, the reason why I love the job so much it never replaces playing I love playing more than anything and this is a really really poor second but I love going to football with my son we're both obviously my United fans and whenever I can I take my son to to the, the home games but I try and take him to as many away games as possible he went to the Wigan game in the FA Cup um, a couple of weeks ago and that's what football's about so if we can get Leighton Orient dads bringing the sons daughters mums bringing their daughters sons and families coming together and they come and they really enjoy the experience and really get into it and love their football club then for me that's the biggest reward that, that, I, that we can get as a club but then on a personal level when I see players you know, listen, sometimes I'm hard on my players because I was a young player and I never had no guidance and I never had the right advice. And I, f- I felt like I, you know, I'd, I'd probably washed away four or five years of my career and not getting to the level that I should have played at because I never had that guidance and never had that advice and people pushing me. So one thing I will say is that all my criticisms to the players is always constructive. I tell them how they can get better. And then when I see them take it on board and they get the rewards and Lawrence Figure is going to the Premier League, you know, that, that gives me, you know, Jerry Yates, who I was a player at, at at Swindon. You know, Jerry was a reserve player at Rotherham. I took him on loan at, at Swindon and he was a striker and I asked him to play left wing because because um, Owen Doyle was our centre forward and he was scoring more or less every game. And I asked Jerry to do a job on the left. And he's like, I can't do it, I can't do it. And I come. Look, look at this you can do this you can do that 
And then he got that good that when Owen Doyle went back to Bradford, I said to him, do you want to play back up front? He was like, no, I want to stay on the left. Hmm. And then he went back to Rotherham. He didn't quite work out for him, but he got a move to Blackpool. He, was, he scored 20 goals in League One, got him to the Championship. And then he rang me probably six months ago saying, I've got a chance to move to Swansea. What do you think? And the fact that he's ringing me, asking for advice, when Swansea about to play three, four million, whatever it was, million pounds for him, that gives me a, a really good feeling inside that we've developed a player that was in Rotherham reserves and all of a sudden now is a really, really good champ, championship player and, you know, he's on life-changing money. That's why I do the job. For young lads to try and help them improve, um, for my staff that I work with every single day and obviously to try and get that family culture and, and, the, and try and get the people coming in through the turnstiles to, to make, like, you know, make them love the club, really. Amazing. Speaking of young players, Luke Ryan on the forum asked, would you consider loaning your son in or would it be too problematic, perhaps from a nepotism point of view? No, it's something that I thought of in the summer because he came and had a couple of... But Reading and Cardiff wanted to sign him. Mm. Um, it's it's not something that would would bother me. It's I didn't feel it was right for him six months ago. He's, um, he's moved to Reading. Um, under under a coach that I know really well, Noel Hunt, he needed to improve physical, physic, his, his physicality needed to improve, and needed to improve his mentality. I've watched him in the in the Premier League, um, two games. He's, I think he scored five goals from eight. eight. Sorry, five goals in eight from playing in a number ten position. He has a talent to go where to whatever level he wants. He still needs to improve his. He's still even though he's twenty twenty one, he's still like a sixteen seven year old mentally. So I think when that comes, he's got a chance of being a real player. Would I turn down working with him in the future? Absolutely not, because I think there's a hell of a lot of potential there. Um, so, no, we'll wait and see. What happens if he comes on the pitch on Saturday and scores, Richie? <laughs> Serious question. Then, like, what do you do if your son scores? Listen, I've had enough red cards. I wouldn't do anything <laughs> in terms of when it's on view, but when he gets home, yeah, he might get a dig. <laughs> Good question. Um Buffalo Bill says, do you think the O's youth setup is providing suitable players for the first team squad at the moment? Again, this is a question that I've had a lot, a, a lot of times. It, it's so, so difficult. You have to think about these lads have been playing in a 16, 17, under, age, under 18 age group at a certain level. And then within two months, three months, they have a, a pre-season break and then all of a sudden they have to go and train with established players. It's really, really difficult and we would like a B team. We would like that, that under-23s type step so we can give them six, six months, 18 months in that environment where the step up is smaller and they can handle it. Um, but I don't think you can ever have a go at our academy because you, know, you look at Hector, you look at Shadrach, you look at Ruel. Um, these players the lad who's at Huddersfield now I forgot his name Karoma uh, yeah Karoma We've, we have produced players in terms of a free academy I think the numbers in terms of minutes in, in first team football is really really high for us so I think the academy do a really really good job but they are being a little bit hindered by the fact that from under 18s football to men's football is a real real big step and that's why I don't have them training with me all week with no game with no game on a Saturday they train with us all week and I get them out playing you look at Pegram or Beiru um, Manny Harvey they're, they're all out playing 
because that's where they get the men's football. And it also gives me free information that, OK, Zekaberio now has gone to Chelmsford and done really, really well. He's too good to play in a conference south, so his next step up now is to get in the National League. So he gets the best of both worlds. He trains with us every week. You see what how we want to play, what the demands that we set on them are. But also at the end of... At the end of the week, they get a different, a different environment, a different culture. You know, they're playing with lads that need that win bonus, they need that three points on a not a not a great pitch or not a, a great away ground, whatever it may be. So we're giving them a lot of different experiences. O's oldest asks about uh, if we're still interested in Harry McCurdy. So we were linked with him in the summer, just gone. Obviously, he got an injury, and that kind of put pay to that. Been asked if um, there's any kind of progress with that or if a player would look at in the future yeah that was it that, I think that was pretty close but then obviously it was difficult because he had a medical and it's it shown a problem which it seems that Harry's over that now and he's back in the hip squad which I'm, I'm really pleased with um, you know there was a lot of rumoured issues around Harry but I thought it was a maverick that mm. was a goal threat that was talented in the final third and someone that I could work with you know, Rob Hunt is a player that I've, I've had at three clubs and I trust I trust Rob a lot. And he said to me that he's, he's misread. I think he would have enjoyed himself with Theo because I think they're both similar types. So he could have lived in Hackney and lived that, that type of lifestyle, which <laughs> which is totally different to, to me and you. Or whether you like that style, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, he was someone that was interested. He's back fit now, but I don't think that's something that will be... We definitely won't be revisiting that in, in January, but maybe in the future we'll see. Okay, so as we sit here tonight, Rishi, ninth in League One, we've just set a new clean sheet record. So five clean sheets for the first time since 1971, so in mine and Paul's lifetime, and your lifetime as well, uh, to be fair. So <laughs> what's your message, Rishi, to the Orient fans listening to, to close this interview? There's not, there's not really a message other than keep going. I mean, I, I think we have to, you know, football can be so reactive at times, and, and listen, if you go... If you rewind seven games ago, people are moaning, are we doing this, we're doing that? And people are really, really negative. And I, I never get like that because I know what I work with every day. And some supporters go, why are you not doing this? Why are you not doing that? Why are you not playing him? Why are you not playing? I work with these players every single day. And yes, I pick the team, but more often than not, the players pick the team. So I never get too low on the lows. And now we people and at home on Saturday, everybody's, can you... The questions have changed now. It's not, oh, oh you know, we're yeah. we going to get relegated because of the run of form. Now it's, can we get in the playoffs? Can we do this? Can we do that? And I, I understand it. I get it. But I'm not that type of that type of guy in general, but not that type of manager. I trust what we do week in, week out. I told you with, with 12, 15 games last year that we was going to win the league because I see it every single training ground, every, every training session that we, we do at the training ground, I see it, I feel it. And I told you it was going to win the league. You know, even though he went probably eight, nine games without a win, there were certain factors that would, would contribute into that. So don't get too too low whenever we have a whenever we're down period because it is going to happen. You look at a lot of teams. You look at Portsmouth now; they're top of the league, and you know they hadn't won in five. And you're having a drink with John Messina after the game the other day, and he's like, "Jesus!" He's and his head's on the floor. But all of a sudden, they go and beat Fleetwood, and he's back on again. So I totally get it. But let's. Let's think back to to 20 months ago, two years ago, where it was, where it was 20th in League Two, and look where we are now. Mm-hmm. The, the, the the difference in the club is absolutely huge. The difference in in 
when I walk around and I, and I speak to the fans, they've all got a smile on the fans. To be fair, the fans are brilliant. They all say, they all say to me, you know, when I got sent off on, on Saturday, I'm, I'm walking upstairs and I was saying, thank you for what you've done to the club. And I'm saying congratulations, even though there's another five minutes and we haven't won the game yet. So I think the feel-good factor that is around the club, every, everybody should be proud of. Um, the supporters, the players, the staff, but more than anyone on the board. The board have set a set of culture which runs down through the club, which is which makes my job easy and it's easy to manage. Thanks very much indeed there to Richie Wellens, who's given up quite a bit of his Sunday evening. We're really grateful and, and hopefully uh, all of the, quest- well, the questions that were asked of him were questions that you perhaps had. And sorry to those uh, whose questions we didn't quite get around to asking, but we're quite conscious that it is Sunday night and... Um, uh, Richie is working out of hours, so uh, thanks again, Richie. Um, we stopped just after we'd done our views, um, and we now have a huge amount of feedback, as you can probably imagine, that came into our social media accounts. We're going to read a few of these uh, out, so just because we read them doesn't mean that we agree with them, although in the main, I think it's safe to say we are aligned here. Tommy Atkinson, six, kicks us off this he week. He does. He says, two massive results in a row, five clean sheets and three wins in a row. Corner completely turned. Surely no Orient fan is unhappy right now. Even that bloke who hates Ling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well done, Tommy. Keep this up, please, lads. Up the O's. <laughs> Painting Orient said, contextually, the greatest O's game in many a year. Faced with a combination of exuberance and discipline, an essentially strong Bolton side were panicked for sustained periods and largely restricted to vain punts. Ford was an utter menace uh, within what is now a proper League One team. Great tweet. Boatsy said, what a turnaround since we played Bolton at their place. And obviously Boatsy asked a question of Richie earlier about that. He says, today was class, a thoroughly impressive performance and result. <coughs> Lingy, please try to get Sol signed up. So obviously we asked uh, Richie about that on a permanent five clean sheets, is some record. And Dan Adji, just getting better and stronger each game. Indeed. Miss Vigaru said, we're definitely hitting top form. Very little can be added to five clean sheets, dominated and won against the top two sides in League One. Valuable points gained in a crucial moment of the season and feel-good factories back around the ground. Good times. Good times indeed. Orient underscore Ed, great to see you at the ground yesterday. Ed, we are absolutely flying at the moment. We were the better team. Sanders and Aji were excellent. Ford was class and Beckles was the creme de la month. It's the first time we have kept five successive clean sheets since 1971. The record is six. Bring on Reading. Well done, Del Boy. Uh, Dan Orton, uh, 2590, said he's almost lost for words at the recent upturn in form. Simply outstanding result and the way we started the second half incredible no fear and fully on them totally deserve three points Paul Ravens 39 said really good again doing the basics right rather than trying to play a convoluted system that the players clearly couldn't manage has worked wonders back to looking reliable at the back which did us no harm last season Nuriel 2 that's a new one for me uh, welcome to the podcast Adji is a different gravy Bolton didn't seem very special fan wise or on the pitch thought they were better than that very good from us especially Sweeney who stepped up when needed him. Should have asked him about Jaden Sweeney. Like, what's yeah, taken so long done. for him to, to get that start? So should he, have done. Yeah. Samuel LOFC 97 said, tactically outstanding mm. again. Changes made when in possession allow us to press higher when we lose it. Game management is quality. The squad is getting on nicely. Younger players are showing their quality. And Aji has made a big difference getting us up the pitch, mm. taking pressure off the midfield and the defence. Which is what Richie 
yeah. uh, mentioned earlier. Daniel underscore D44 said two absolutely top-notch performances in a row. Totally outplayed two of the best teams in the league. Another game where almost any player could have been man of the match. But I thought Brown Sanders, Idris Gabraith and Aji were superb. Trousers Techno said this match, coming after the excellent performance of Pompey, now confirms us as real competition for anyone in League One. Another excellent performance, also unlocking the back door to keep out Bolton. Fully deserved, but it is the man of the victories that impress mostly. It's a good point. Like Very I said, good point. haven't been battered, haven't nicked a lucky goal here or there. Like We deserve those wins. 100%. Yeah, absolutely right. Dear Stu said, I can't wipe the smile from my face. Absolutely brilliant performance. 1-11. For Sweens to come back after not playing for a long time and putting in a performance like that was unbelievable. Ref, ref, sorry, and both linos had an absolute shocker. I think the linesman on the West Stand had a shocker, but I thought the referee was pretty decent. I thought, I thought they were all decent. Obviously, no, you, in, in games, you're never going to get everything that you claim for, but they let the game flow for the most part. There weren't that many silly bookings. And obviously Richie's sending off, but like he said, that, that is the law, which he didn't realise. So it is what it is, I guess. Steve Adams, 48, that's a new Twitter handle, says another superb team performance supported by tactically astute decisions throughout the game. Special mention to Sol, game-changing, one-on-one save just after we went ahead. Yeah, Carlos East, 18. I think that's a new one for me. Don't recognise that one. Welcome to the show. I feel safe to say we've now settled into League One. The forward line has pace and confidence. The midfield has clicked into place and the reversion back to a back four suits our style of play. Each of the four and Sol have been immense. I like Galbraith in the Trent role. Our Coral 1972 said fantastic performance. Don't think any of us saw that one coming two months ago. Adji is the real difference in this side. Credit to Sweeney for coming in and putting in a great performance. Is it too late for a playoff push? Derby 507 said both sides huffed and puffed in the first half and cancelled each other out. Second half, we bossed it. Galbraith was outstanding, closely followed by Theo and Happy. Onwards and upwards. I think it's fair that Galbraith takes so much of the plaudits, bearing in mind he's a central midfielder or attacking midfielder, whatever, whatever that niche is, playing at right back, which well, is a very different job. I think one of the reasons why we put so many tweets in this week is that a lot of tweets highlight a lot of different players. So as well as this one highlighting Sanders... Uh, Galbraith there's also been so many about Adji Ford Breen you know so really great to see Apostolos Andre Nines we are looking so solid defensively and much more threatening going forward in front of goal the whole squad looks confident with Beckles back to his best forward impact in the game more Sanders playing with confidence and Adji making up for lost time indeed he is the untold game said I don't like giving man of the match to the goal scorer but Dan Adji take a bow complete performance Santos looked terrified all afternoon, and by the second half, it had spread to the rest of their defence. We might have a proper player on our hands. Do you know what? There's not actually that many tweets about Idris, and I thought Idris was outstanding, which shows you the level of uh, he was on one, wasn't the it? level of performance yesterday. Penultimate tweet in this one goes to Millar, president, who said still struggling to comprehend the turnaround from some of the worst Orient performances <laughs> I've seen to some of the best. Mm. Adji seems to have made a huge impact and lifted the remainder of the team, thinking it's too late for a playoff push. But never say never. Yeah, absolutely. Final word goes to Sunshine LOFC, who I think sums this up really well. It says, a fantastic display overall. Proper team performance. From what I have seen so far, Adji is the most complete striker we've had since Lisby. Brown's distribution was a different class and Elmi's oh, was superb <laughs> at the ugly stuff. Up the O's. So lots of very, very positive tweets there. Let us know if you agree or disagree with anything that's been read out this evening. You can do that by giving us a tweet at Orient Outlook or you can email us at orientoutlook at outlook.com. We are also on Instagram, so give us a follow if you don't already, orient underscore outlook underscore podcast. 
And if not, give us a follow on Facebook as well. You can like the page, which is on Outlook Podcast. So loads of ways for you to interact with our wonderful podcast. Indeed you can. So let's move on then to the Prediction League now. So many people correctly predicted 1-0, so you guys all get three points. But special credit goes to at Theo the Wyvern, Dan William H and Tommy Atkinson 6. You guys also correctly predicted 1-0, but you also correctly predicted that Dan Adji would get to get the goal of the game. So you get four points. That means the top of the prediction league now stands as follows. On 19 points, Dave Brew, 47976911 and Rio underscore Orient. 17 points is Paul Gregory and Steve Chaplin, 4. 16 points is Charlie underscore Paul. And 15 points is Eastside Orient and LOFC Teresa. So thanks to everyone who uh, sends in their predictions. And I think we've got full table on Facebook. So if you want to know how well you're doing... Go to Facebook Absolutely. and search us. Great stuff. So moving on to today, and as we record this Sunday, the 21st of January, Dan Adji was named in the Football League's Papers League One Team of the Day, and Richie Wellens was also named top boss. Well done to both. Love to see it. Yeah, a few question marks saying he got sent off and still got top boss. So uh, not fussed about that. No, Just not delighted at all. that he did. The ladies' team were in action today. They took on Brentford in the Capital Cup at their Bucker Steel home. Brentford took the lead in the 22nd minute, scored a second uh, six minutes later. Uh, they scored a third, this is the away side, scored a third just before half-time, half time, sorry, which made it 3-0 as the half ended. Yeah, or it made two changes early in the second half, but Brentford further extended their lead just shy of the hour mark, and they got a fifth in the 76th minute to complete the scoring as the match finished 5-0 to the visitors as the O's went out of the Capital Cup. So unlucky to the ladies' team. So Mr Levy, it's a bumper. One hour, 24, 29 seconds, but we've had 45 minutes of excellent Richie Wellens questions. Let's wrap this bad boy up. Indeed, let's kick off with, uh, no pun, or pardon the pun, sorry, fantasy football update. (laughs) Brendan Pitcher's still top of the podcast, Fantasy Football League. He's on 1,301 points. There's obviously been a couple of games this weekend. Elliot Pearce is set in second, closing in, uh, six points behind on 1,295. Steve's around the 178. Uh, in the uh, in the league, which is very good, halfway, halfway, uh, which is really good. So let's move on then to the positives and negatives. All right, so we've got four positives and two negatives uh, for this evening's podcast. First positive is just generally the win against Bolton and the performance. Love to see it. Probably best home performance of the season, I'd say. Yeah, in terms absolutely. of complete from front to back, it was brilliant. Uh, secondly, not done since nineteen seventy one. So Amazing. first time in our lifetime. By a long stretch as well. Yeah. Five clean sheets in a row. So, yeah. like Paul said, 530 minutes without conceding a goal in the league. Wouldn't it be ironic if Charlie, is it Charlie Wellens goes and scores the goal that breaks the deadlock? That would be unsavoury. <laughs> you shouldn't say things like that. We should. Keep things inside your head. Absolutely. Third positive, and we mentioned it earlier, the signing of Brandon Cooper. First of the window, I think people were asking questions about that signing. I think Richie explained it really well when we spoke to him as well. So hopefully that uh, answered any questions you might have. And lastly, our goal difference is reducing. So again, one point was minus nine, only minus two now. And obviously we know the benefit of having a a better positive goal difference can be worth a point in itself. So four very good positives and only leaves two negatives this week. Yeah, it does. Rich's red card and sending off in yesterday's game against Bolton and some some injury niggles that we seem to have uh, at the moment. But I think it seems like... um, uh, Rich has covered that and we should we should be okay. Uh we we've got a solid team, we've got a solid bench, game yeah. changing. So thankfully those that are injured don't need to be rushed back. Absolutely. Huge so positive. Hero of the week, I guess first of all, 
which probably should we mention the runners up or the guys who we give contention to? So, so so many could have been loads of the players on the pitch. I think a special shout out to Colin James and the ground staff for getting the game on. I, th- yeah. I don't think it was really ever in doubt at any point. I know they had pitch inspection, but you were always pretty confident when you saw the covers on it and knowing how good the turf has been all season, True. right? So yep. the turf looked great. So well done to Colin James and his team. And also, probably on a different week, Jaden Sweeney probably walked away with it, coming in from the cold. Big, big game to play as well. Yeah. Like home to Bolton Wanderers, who were on form. Yeah. Tough afternoon. Did exceptionally well. Got yeah, an assist yeah. and a clean sheet. But yeah. I think this week, there's only one who's going to take it. So, ladies and gentlemen, you're on the Outlook podcast. Here of the week is... I want to dance with Dan Aggie. So, Dan Aggie gets it this week. Well done, Dan. I don't think that will come as a surprise to many people. No, no surprise at all. So, next week's fixture isn't yeah. just the one fixture. It's the golden ticket, isn't it? Sold out 1,750 away fans making the journey along the M4 for the trip to Reading. So Reading, well documented the problems they have. They lost one away at Wigan this weekend. See the goal? See Wigan's goal? I did, yeah. Cracker. You don't save those. When you're down there, they're the kind of goals that go against you. So hopefully looking forward to an Idris top bins at the weekend. So they lost one away. They're 21st in League One. They're in the last relegation spot. Obviously, well documented ownership troubles their last home game ended up getting postponed in the 16th minute when yeah. they not only threw tennis balls on which is what they normally do they but they also pitch invaded yeah. so the last game got uh, postponed hopefully this one goes off with peaceful protest but look we've been there we know how difficult it is and completely understand their right to protest hopefully yeah. it doesn't affect the game yeah. I guess we'll have to see what happens with that one but have a safe journey if you go in you will see the beard of Lejande will be down there yeah. Taking and, the boy. Uh, first and away game yeah, and we're going with uh, another lad in his class who's Lovely. a fan and his dad, uh, Dan and, and Sammy, so can't wait for that. Lovely. And Theo's been bugging me to do an away trip, so this is a nice perfect, nice one for him to do. Yeah, absolutely. So don't forget, get in touch with John and their fantastic team of experienced florists if you've got an event, whatever it may be. If you need some flowers or you need to send a bouquet to someone, get in touch with them. You can call them on 0208 529 They're on social media, Carol Langley E4 or Essex Biz on Twitter. They're on Instagram. Search Carol Langley Florist and the same on Facebook. So that is it. That is it. Thanks for joining us for episode 343. And what a time to be an O's fan. After the euphoria of beating Lee Leaders Portsmouth 3 in away last weekend, high-flying Bolton Wonders were in town and another great performance saw the O's win the game 1-0, keep their fifth league clean sheet in a row. And again, like we said, not been done since 1971. So with no midweek game this week, the squad can get prepped for the trip to Reading without any interruptions and hopefully we'll be sitting here next week raving about another three points, hopefully another clean sheet and you and your son going to watch your first away first victory away together. Yeah, so absolutely. hopefully it'll be a very positive one this time next week. Let's hope so. If you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe, give the podcast a five-star rating or if you're listening on Spotify, don't forget to rate the show. You can even leave a comment on each episode now, so please do so if you get the chance. And don't forget to follow us or add us to your favourites on your chosen podcast provider. That way you'll get all the episodes as soon as they're available. We're also on Smart Speakers, the Fan Hub app. We're also on YouTube now, so listening to us couldn't be easier. If you've got an older relative, a loved one, an Orient chum, someone who's got a passing interest in Leighton Orient and you think would like the podcast with interviews like Richie Wellens, grab their phone or mobile device or whatever it is they listen to it on and pass on the pod. So it just leaves us to say thank you so much to Richie for giving 45 minutes of your Sunday evening. We are truly grateful for George and the media yes, team for, very much so. for allowing that to happen. Very grateful. Yeah, really good. Hope you've enjoyed that, everyone who's listened. So will we be back with episode 344? Wow, next week 
with all the information and views that you could ever need. We look forward to hearing from you. And as always, keep calm, stay safe, have a great week, and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Up the O's.